Hello and welcome to Bombato, the Scandinavian La Liga podcast. That feels pretty weird to say. Hello, Alexandra Jonsson, who I don't think I'm exaggerating. This is the first time we've properly spoken since since the world fell apart, basically. So how are you, my friend? Yeah, it's very true. Last time was probably when we were in Barcelona, which was just the week before everything happened. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's good. Um, I, I know myself quite well after these days. <laughs> Been in yesterday. It was actually exactly one month of lockdown here in Spain. Uh, so I've been outside of my apartment. I think once a week for the last month. Wow. More or less. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Actually, this is particularly pertinent for me that you mentioned this. So yeah, the last time that we did one of these, and the last time that we we sort of spoke, and the last time I guess that either of us saw football. I don't know about you. You might have seen something afterwards, but certainly for me was just over a month ago when we went to Barcelona Real Sociedad and so what was kind of weird at that moment in time for me was that because I came from Sweden at that particular moment I really I felt there was a massive difference between Spain and Sweden and Sweden people had already started to buy like hand sanitizer had already started to become a little bit you know cautious about being in too many sort of crowds with people and then I came to Spain and it was like barely anyone spoke to me about coronavirus I know that my taxi driver did one of my friends had a crazy conspiracy theory about it and then i don't even know if we spoke about it it was brief like we weren't talking about it we spoke very little about it like when we were walking about the euros possibly having to get postponed or not and uh, and then we went and bought hand sanitizers and we're like do you think they're gonna have them because they're like already starting to get sold out in sweden we got in and there were loads of them yeah it felt like we were the paranoid northerners um taking things a bit too but then lo and behold literally i think about five days later it's like a complete collapse in spain and the world's turned on its head how like because i'm kind of oblivious to this a little bit or i know a little bit but what is life like for you right now like what what do you do what what are you allowed to do what are you not allowed to do so basically Spain is in state of alarm uh, is what they, they call it, which means that you're not allowed to leave your house if it's not completely essential. So there's a few things you're allowed to do. You're allowed to go to the, to the supermarket, but that should be once a week and you should try to go to the closest supermarket you have or one of the closest. Uh, so you don't go to the other side of the city or something like that. Um, if you have a dog, you can go out with the dog. Uh, but after I think already after the first week, they uh, put a distance for how long you're, how how far you're allowed to walk your dog. I don't remember exactly what it is because I don't have a dog. Um, you get are allowed to go out with your trash. Um, if you have a essential work or a work where you have the approval of going to work, you're allowed to go to your work and go home from your work but you kind of I think you need to have a piece of paper or something that shows that you're actually allowed to do that and uh, at any moment the police can stop you and ask you why you're outside so if you're going to the supermarket you should have um, have a shopping bag (laughs) so you can like I'm going to the supermarket basically if you don't want to get stopped Um, if you get stopped you should be able to show up with some kind of paper or something like a bill or anything to show that you live in the area um, and also while you're out um, and when you go back from the supermarket it's good to have uh, have the receipt I've never get gotten stopped so but uh, I've heard about others that have um, and and yeah if you you're not following the rules uh, there are fo- quite heavy fines to pay uh, I don't know exactly the amount but I heard something about up to 600 euros uh, for, for being out uh, so it's uh, 
it's quite strict in, in that sense, quite few things you're actually allowed to do. Um, and if you're like me and you have your, you throw your trash, the where you throw your trash, the bin is basically outside the door. It doesn't really help because <laughs> you can't go very far. And and you you can also, I, I think you're also allowed to go to kioscos and buy newspapers and stuff like that. Uh, and today I had a really good, good reason to go and do that because uh, I was in one of them. Uh, again, very unlucky for me, my, my closest kiosko is in the same building as me. So, so basically I went outside, threw the trash, bought the newspaper, went in again, and the, the lamp in the stair, uh, stairs had not gone off yet. So that's how quick it went. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, the, but, but I have a balcony, so I'm pretty lucky in that sense. But so it's, it's very few things where you're actually allowed to go, go outside. So you can see when I sit on my balcony and watch people who are out, you can see how they're walking really slowly and, and things like that, really enjoying the, the short time they have on the outside. Taking their time. Yeah. Yeah, actually, you didn't really expand on that. But my understanding is that you have been providing valuable newspaper material for the Spanish sporting press who are really need something to write about right now, given there hasn't been football for four weeks. So why don't you have a little bit of a humble brag? <laughs> well, to start with, I have not reached out to any newspapers. This is not me saying right about me. No, it's, I, I guess it's just the time where there is, when it comes to sport, at least, there, there is not a lot to, to write about since there is no sport going on. Um, so I was interviewed by one journalist I know from, from San Sebastian uh, about Alexander Isak. Uh, just what, what we in Sweden, how, how big he is in Sweden and, and what expectations and, and a little bit of things like that. Just get a Swedish view on it. Um, and then today I was in the paper here in Vigo uh, as one of the sport journalists here trying to come up with things to write about um, and asked if he could interview me. And that's basically about why I'm in Vigo <laughs> to start with, uh, where I mentioned Bombasa, of course. Um, and also what, uh, what I think of how, how Spain has been reacting to the situation, how I'm handling being in Vigo with my family in Sweden and sitting in quarantine and how I think about Sweden's approach, which is quite different to the rest of the world. So yeah. uh, a little bit about that. Uh, and then I got my sunset picture in the paper. So that's what I'm most, most happy about. <laughs> You've had plenty of practice, I think. So yeah, I'm, nice. I'm, do I'm doing every day now. That's like basically what I have to look forward to is when the sun goes down because it's nice sunset. So I take pictures. I, I started yesterday. I think I'm going to do from now on, which is do a time lapse of the entire sunset. You can, you can hear how, how much fun I'm having. No, no, I mean, <laughs> listen, desperate times call for desperate measures and I'm not even sure that's the most desperate you could possibly get. So, Very true. Yeah, I was going to ask you how you're coping, but judging by the beard that you've grown and the uh, the shaved head, I think yeah. the answer is not well. Yeah, Brittany, you know, that's my style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, poor Brittany. No, Brittany Spears, the communist, as it turns out. I was anyway. thinking about something when you were talking before, which I think is, is quite interesting, which I haven't really thought about. Like when we were in Barcelona, we were talking about, as you said, how in Sweden, because even though I weren't in Sweden before that, I talked to, to my family and everyone in Sweden, how it felt like in Sweden, everyone was so much more afraid and worried about Corona than in Spain. And it's quite interesting because now it's the complete reverse, you know? Mm. So in not only that, obviously, because everything that happened in Spain and how badly it's got uh, that quick, because things changed very quick here. Um, I think people in Spain got really afraid 
because just how hard and how quick it hits. And now if it feels almost a bit uh, with the quarantine and stuff. I, I think it's right to do the quarantine the way they're doing it at the moment. It's like the only way you need, to, you can do it. Uh, but there's been like, for instance, yesterday or the day before, Real Sociedad started talking about going back to training um, in a way which I thought was quite smart and, and quite a good way to do it, where they basically wanted to uh, do training in groups. So two people in each group, two people per football pitch. So you have an entire football pitch and two players. Um, and it was going straight directly from home to the pitch and directly from the pitch back home. So no, not using locker rooms, not needing anyone else except for that other person that you're training with. Um, and I thought that that sounded quite good in the sense that it's, I don't see any risk in it. Uh, because if you do the same pairings every time the, and the players have already been in quarantine for over a month, uh, and then on top of that, you're going directly home, you're going directly there. And then you get uh, the fact that players get to play football again, even if you're just two players. You get to be out in the fresh air and all these mentally and, and start to get ready. So I thought it was a really, really good idea. Then uh, obviously they can't take that decision themselves because it's still that would be going against the law of the, the state of alarm. So it still has to be pro- approved from above, which it wasn't. But the thing that I found really interesting was a lot of people seem to have like gotten upset and angry with just the, the idea coming from Real Sociedad. In the end, they weren't allowed to do it. Uh, they have to continue as everyone else from home. But like for, for me, it's, it's very interesting when you see how, how Sweden are reacting to the entire thing uh, of the corona and how they are dealing with it and how people are, are looking at it. And then here in Spain, people get comp- so, so angry of the idea of two people going to a football pitch alone and then going back home again. And like, how can you even as a club think about coming up with that idea? Uh, And it's just so interesting because it's two completely different worlds because in in Sweden, you're still not in quarantine, but you're being told told to be home and to to listen to recommendation, blah, blah, blah. And the attitude is so different. And there's still a lot of talk about trying to keep trainings going because the the physical, the psychological, and also everything and the economics. Well, here it's like, if you even think about anything that is outside of your home, you're a complete idiot. I think... So this is for some background. Yeah. The last month of my life, pretty much, I've just spent working on news journalism. So literally five days a week, coronavirus, 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 coronavirus. So I have this thing coming out of my brain and all different angles. One thing I think is careful is that there's a lot of talk of like, oh, this this solution to it is an experiment or this one isn't. And the reality is that we're all experimenting, right? Because nobody 100%. got a trial, trial run at this. If we did, then we don't know what to do. Um <laughs> But one thing I think maybe sounds a bit simplistic, but I think the idea of just a straight lockdown is somehow psychologically easier to handle for most people because it's like, yeah, everything stops. There's no no shades of gray there. You can you can just swallow that concept pretty simply. It's like everything has to stop and that's it. Whereas the idea of, okay, we're going to stop some things, but some things we sort of assess the risk as not being that high versus the benefit. So we're going to keep this. It becomes much more open to interpretation, I guess. I think that the reality and the fact is that no no country is going to be able to, without drifting too much away into the territory of something that is not to do with this podcast, but no, no country can afford to maintain a lockdown in perpetuity. 
So at some point, regardless of the country, and even Spain today, if some small things have changed from today, like certain work groups in theory are supposed to be able to go back to work if they can. At some point, they're going to have to, to relax the limitations. And there's a, there's a school of thought from people who are educated in this kind of thing, that, and I'm not, but this is what they say, that it's much more difficult when you've had a really, really strict lockdown to ease people back into society mm. because of the, the fear and other things that, that are involved with it. That taking them from their safe place, their sort of comfort of being in a controlled, really, really highly controlled environment and asking them to step back out into the world can be quite difficult. And there's a lot of challenges that go with that. The situation here at the moment seems to really vary depending on where you are. So maybe you'll have a better concept of this than I do. But, but in Stockholm, where things are sort of the worst, if you like, in inverted commas, and really honestly, compared to most places, we're still really lucky. In general, the uh, uh, many times of the day, the subway's empty. You won't see that many people, apart from maybe in the park where people are going for walks. A lot of people are kind of trying to avoid crowded places. A lot of people, you can't go to the cinema, for example. So like the, the main cinema chain, SF, are like more or less a monopoly. They're closed, so you can't do that. Anything, events over 50 people is the rule or ban, but really in practice, that means most things because... What do you go to that has less than 50 people? Certainly no concert that you're ever going to go to. Certainly no conference or anything like that. People are working from home, whatever. But then I, I have I've spoken to people who are maybe down south, like in Skåne, for example, where it hasn't quite hit as bad yet. And they're saying, well, yeah, people are pretty much just doing what they were doing before, going to bars and going to restaurants and sort of hanging out in crowded groups. But I, I don't know. It's, it's difficult to gauge. I, I think it's very very difficult and as you say it's it's very great it's very it's not black and white at all and it's something that none of us have experienced before so it's you can't say this is the right way this is the wrong way because as you said all of it is experiments we we don't really know and we won't know who who did it the best or who did it the smartest way until all of this is over until a long time from from now so it's 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 very complex and everything but for me it's it's just very interesting to kind of be in these two complete different worlds because yeah. i have everything that's happening here in spain and then i speak to to my family and everyone at home and it's like you're living in in two complete separate yeah. uh, worlds in in ways of handling with it and i still can't say what's right and what's wrong um, and also, you have to remember the countries are in different times, yeah. different phases of, of it, and 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 everything. But but like this thing with, with Real Sociedad, for example, how I think that even if I think that uh, the people in in Sweden or some parts of Sweden sometimes are a bit to not not taking it seriously enough in in some ways, and that attitude um, can be a bit wrong. I think Not at least well. ironically enough in the risk group, people yeah. who are actually in the risk group and seem to think they're invincible. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, I find it's, then you have, have this thing with, with Real Sociedad, which I actually thought was like quite a good idea. Then, of course, they can't take the decision. Someone higher up uh, has to do it the, with, with health and everything like that. But the fact that the people's first reaction to it is basically, mm. how can you be that, go out with even having that idea or even speak yeah. it out? Uh, I find that quite fascinating when I'm at the same time talk with people back home and hear the attitude where it's like completely, completely different. And, and there is a, a lot of people that just don't seem to understand the risk of it or or, or anything. Or like you said, the, especially the risk group. I think in, in Sweden, it also comes a little bit with the fact that Sweden has never been in any bigger crisis, uh, any wars in, in modern time, like this population. So it's kind of the feeling like 
inventability. Well, it won't happen to us, you know, yeah. because these things doesn't happen to us. And I think that can be a bit dangerous as well in, in the way how people behave. But as well, like we, we don't really know what's what's right and what's wrong until a long time from when this is all over. I mean, I guess the thing is as well, with any of these kind of, and actually not just in terms of a pandemic, which is an extreme example, but one thing I used to come across a lot when I was a news journalist, like comparing statistics and figures between different countries is a really difficult process to do because mm -hmm. there's all kinds of different variables that go in. So, I mean, and in our situation now, what's applicable is that the way that people live in Spain and the way that people live in Sweden is quite different. So often you have like multi-generation households in Spain where, you know, the gran and maybe even the gran and the granddad will live in the same house as the children and the grandchildren over the age of 30 in some instances. Whereas in Sweden, people largely, unless you're a family with kids or whatever, tend to try and live one or two people in a household. I mean, there's so many one one bedroom, as you would call it in English, apartments in Sweden um, compared to in Spain. And then there's also the population density question, which is that... Really, really, like there's a population of 10 million here, but it's hugely spread out throughout mm -hmm. the country. And even if you take the three most populated cities, which is Malmö, Stockholm and Gothenburg, add them up, I think it's just over a third of the population. Still, the vast majority live sort of spread out in kind of more rural or isolated areas. So, whereas in Spain, you know, Barcelona, Madrid, places like this, people are literally living on top of each other. So trying to apply the same the same thinking to two completely different countries is quite difficult, I think. And then the way people, people are as, as well, like in... In Sweden, I think we social distance every day, basically. Yeah. While in Spain, you to start with, you're more out and about. In, in Sweden, people are more at home in, in another way due to culture, due to weather and everything. But also, like for we we always had this uh, the the memes of uh, or memes or however you say it. Me. <laughs> Memes, is it? I'm such a high tech person. Uh, you know, it's Swedes waiting for the bus which are so accurate, which is basically what social distancing is now, at least one or two meters in between each person. That's yeah. actually what it looks like at any bus stop in Sweden waiting for the bus. Um, and now going to the supermarket here where you have to have that distance, like when you're mm. standing outside until you're let in, because only a few people are let into the supermarket at a time here. So you have to wait in a queue outside before with one to two meters in between each person. And for me, like the first day doing that, I was like, oh, Feels like being home. Feels like waiting yeah. for the bus in Sweden. <laughs> Familiar. <laughs> Finally getting some space. <laughs> so I think that that should also is also something that is easy to forget, which I also think has helped Sweden, even though things are are bad in Sweden as well and and getting worse. Uh, but I think those kind of things in in something like this must must have helped that you kind of already have inbuilt social distancing yeah. in in the population in a way. And then there's massive like cultural differences as well, which like are, are proven as scientifically as you can prove them if you look at polling data, the sort of trust that Swedes have and the authorities, like the agencies mm -hmm. that make these decisions in their government is really high. I think it's like in the 70% region year after year, more or less. Uh, I don't know the exact figure. Compared to Spain, where trust is generally not so high and it's more common, for example, and you can see the evidence of this and acts like the fact that I'm sure both of us have heard of people who may have cheated some taxes in Spain or may have tried to do things a certain way to get around certain rules. Whereas the, the idea of like even admitting to doing that in Sweden is just unthinkable. So there's, I think, a different level of strictness is necessary for different countries. In a country where people generally try to listen to what people in power or authority say, if you say, OK, it's a good idea if you don't do this, actually, we strongly recommend you, you don't do that, that might work. 
in a country where people are sort of have generations of being told to not really trust the people in power to question what they're telling them. It's, it's harder to give them a, a recommendation and expect them to follow it. But I mean, we'll, we'll see. Like the, the sad reality is that a lot of bad things are happening everywhere, and they're going to continue to happen. And I, I guess, like you said, until we either have some like proof of whether herd immunity really has started to happen or not, and uh, or if we get close to a vaccine, I guess, which will take. There's another but- way out of this potentially. We're not really going to know what's the. And right then answer. it's then it's all the other things as well of the economic situation, health pro like mental health problems that will start occurring when people are are locked inside. So that that is also things that like we you can't either say that okay the the country with the most deaths is the country that is the most affected. Uh, so th- that's also the reason why Sweden is doing things as well the way they are doing because they're trying to make the the damage on these other things as, as little as possible because Sweden's done things very very differently from Norway and Denmark uh, which are the countries just next to them which normally those three countries it feels like mm. they normally go the, the similar direction in, in in a lot of things uh, and here Sweden has gone completely the other direction than, than the other two who just locked down completely very early on there's a legal reason for that as well which is the other thing we'll never know this the we'll never know if this would have been the case but the reality is that politicians even the prime minister and the government in sweden don't have the power to unilaterally make decisions in certain areas they have to rely on the decisions made by agencies where whereas in norway and, and denmark they can do that and so there's i was reading an article in one of the big norwegian newspapers the other day which was saying that actually the norwegian equivalent of the public health agency in sweden generally thinks that too tight a lockdown is a bad idea for exactly the reasons that I said before, that they think mm-hmm. it's difficult for people to return to, to normal life, that they think that there's debatable evidence on whether closing schools is actually effective or not, because kids generally don't, as a, as a general rule, won't die of this. So the risk is quite low compared to the risk of them having mental health problems or anything else that can happen um, by shutting them in their houses. But in Norway, the politicians can make a unilateral decision, so they've done it. And that's that. It's hugely complicated, basically. I don't know. I don't. There, I, I, there's so so much things to think about that you don't think about. Yeah. Uh, it's it's easy to say, okay, if we lock everything down, we can stop the virus. But then, what happened with the financial situation? What happened with people's businesses? What happened with with people uh, who are at very small homes or where? Uh, so one partner is hitting the other partner and now they can't get out and, and things like that and mental yep. health and all of these things that you don't think about so it's when all of this is done which is not gonna be soon <laughs> so to say but when when we're far enough to be able to look back it's first then we can see what country actually did survived it the best way and that's not just about who had the least uh, the least tests or anything like yeah. that. It's as a, as a society, as a, as a people, because there's gonna be. It's it's sad to say, but it's gonna be deaths, deaths and stuff that are not directly from Corona. Of course, but what will have happened because of it or because of everything that that's well, poverty is a, a big killer as well. That too. Which I mean, it seems obvious, but you know, we've not actually. It, it strikes me that we've not even discussed the po- prospect or possibility of when football in inverted commas is going to be back and i'm curious to what you think to that because i know that i know javier tevas the last time i checked and to be honest i've been switched off from this for quite a while so correct me if i'm wrong but i think he gave three different possible scenarios or dates when they, they could be back um i don't know about you but i think i understand why it's necessary to sort of put some kind of uh, date out there but realistically having looked at this whole situation in detail 
like I said, five days a week for the last month um, as my work. Nobody knows. No one knows when the hell they can return back to playing football. Like there's best case scenario projection or a worst case scenario projection, but they're all projections. Uh, the other thing about finishing the season that I think is important to point out as well is uh, finish what season? Because you're not finishing the same season that stopped when all of this kicked in. It's a completely different season with completely different conditions. Suddenly all the players have rested then become not match fit then have to become match fit again then possibly are playing without fans there's also so many different variables that impact it that there's not really any ideal solution to be honest i'm not sure that there's there's not one single solution that's that i've seen proposed to how to resolve this that ticks all the boxes for me there's always certain conditions to it and then the other one is also like depending on how long this goes we'll see how many clubs survive as well mm. not not just in the lower leagues but not least in the top flight because there are a lot of clubs who are really dependent on tv money for example that i don't know whether they're going to get the remainder of it or not what the deal with that's going to be and then also gates from their stadiums that they've not been getting for x amount of months so yeah we'll see i don't doubt that there'll be plenty more time before we know anything more concrete and substantial about this anyway so uh, we'll just have to keep an eye on developments i think it's a real shame that the to be purely selfish right now and obviously there are much more important things uh, th to think about than football and than the specifics but from our point of view it was a real shame that the season ended up curtailed when it did because Real Sociedad for example we'd just seen them play a really impressive game at the Camp Nou against Barcelona probably the best that they played there in a long long time even though they didn't manage to to win the match Martin Brathwaite was starting to break through at, at Barca as well and there was like real potential for him to turn into something that maybe exceeded expectations there and now all of that's out the window because God knows what we're going to see when it finally comes back and I don't know it's just one of those unfortunate uh, points in history that we'll yeah, go back on. For sure. For for me, it was one of the most exciting seasons for, for a really long time, especially seeing everything going on with, with Real Sociedad and, and our Scandies there. And and for me, I was so, so excited, more excited than I've been for any football match in, in a really long time about the, for the Copa del Rey final. Yeah. To, go, to go to Sevilla with the Atletico, Athletic Club fans and the Real Sociedad fans and have a Basque Derby final with those fans in a city like Sevilla in in April. It was going to be this month, wasn't yeah. it? I, I was yeah. so, so excited about that. It was going to be incredible. And that final, I'm pretty sure it's going to be played at some point, but it's going to be played without fans because there is no way when football comes back uh, in Spain, there is going to be a long time without fans. Um, I'm, I'm really sure about that. And... And probably also a while before journalists gets back into it as well. They probably you, journalists are probably going to get in uh, earlier than fans, but it's it's going to be little by little with everything. Uh, and I think we have to to realize the fact that football is just not going to really be the same when it comes back. It's going to be quite a while before before football is is what we are used to football being. And yeah, it's it's really sad because it was a season that was starting to become something really, 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 and from. From a Scandi point of view, uh, really historic, actually. Um, yeah, but we were I was uh, quite looking forward to going down to Copenhagen for the Euros to watch what potentially looked like Martin Brathwaite uh, being in excellent form, playing up front for Denmark at home. Three games at home, Alexander Isak likely being, if not a starter, at least a regular competitor for Sweden. And then potentially Norway qualifying as well. We've forgotten about that, the playoffs that would have happened uh, 
have not happened yet. So again, we'll see when that happens, when Euro 2020 becomes Euro, uh, what the where all those respective players are at that moment in time. It could be a completely different world. The one nice thing about all this, if you like, is that you're grateful for the little things because really in the grand scheme of things, none of this is important and we're, uh, we're healthy and we have a pretty easy life compared to some other people right now. Yeah. So it finds I'm- like uh, difficult to complain, you know. I feel quite privileged in the situation because I'm I'm someone who normally works from home. So it's just the only thing that has changed for me in that sense is that obviously I can't go out and meet people and that I can't do the travels and I can't go to the football matches. But I work from home normally, so I can I'm working with my book, which it was all already the idea of the season, so uh, of what I was going to do this year basically. Um, so in that sense, for me, I'm in. The, the situation isn't really affecting me in the sense that in the way that it does to most people. Same also, I got a really great apartment. I got a balcony and a fantastic view. And a lot of people in Spain, and I know this because I've been one of those before, live in really small apartments where you don't really have a window to the outside, more a window to the inside of the, the back guard, which is really nothing, which is like seeing the, the, build, the next building really close up. Um, and not really getting sunlight in. And I, I know there's loads and loads of those apartment all, apartments all over Spain and a lot of people probably sitting in those now for over a month. Um, so I, I'm just really, really happy for and I feel very privileged for the situation that I'm in and all of this. Yeah, more than a few times over the last month, I've thought that, oh, if this was 12 months ago, I would have been in my apartment in Barcelona that had like the worst mold problem in the world that you had to like constantly battle against to make sure that the black stuff didn't continue to grow up the walls, which believe me is not an uncommon situation in Barcelona or even better still now that it's getting warmer, the cockroaches are starting to come out. So there'll be plenty of people who are really not enjoying being locked up in their four walls. So yeah, life could be a lot worse. Um, Speaking of working from home though, my cat, who is now, I guess the closest thing to a friend that I have outside of my wife is uh, starting to attack my microphone cable here so I'm guessing it's time to wrap up but if you've got any closing points now is the time to say them because who knows when we'll be back at this my friend well my closing points is that when I'm allowed out again I'm not sure the world is going to be the same because the, the seagulls are really taking over Vigo like this this is their city now when I'm out on my back like I'm starting to get afraid to go out on the balcony because they sit there and they look at me and it's like get away from here this is our place they even scream at me. They, Nature very... is reclaiming its place. It really is. It really is. I, uh, I, if you like, if you enjoy seagull content, hashtag content. I think at the start of all this, actually, it must have been like the weekend after this had all started to really uh, become a thing in Europe. If you like, I saw two seagulls and a crow fighting over a dead rat. One of them had the rat's tail in its mouth, and the other two had its head, and they were pulling at each other. And uh, the crow won. So there you go. If you ever wondered who's a better fighter, there's the answer. I did see uh, yesterday, we have like every day, there's a certain time where he's just like 50 birds outside my window. I'm not even, it's probably more. And yesterday, one of them started like trying to eat one of the other seagulls, but they flew away. I was like, so so now it's gone to the point where people are not leaving food outside anymore. So they are starting to eat off each other because they can't eat people's steal the food. (laughs) <laughs> oh they're coming for us all all right yep uh so i guess we should wrap it up and all that remains to be said is that we hope everyone stays safe and stays well and stays sane and you know you can always look through our back archive of podcasts from the last what six seven months now where there's plenty of stuff that's uh, timeless so and, that's and our you, little contribution and even the stuff that isn't timeless you can go back and listen to it and think as if you were back in that time and remember football how it used to be <laughs> 
Jeez. And on that depressing note, we'll see you next time. <laughs>